0: Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis.
1: Listen to you, move your mouth, I bet you come from way down
2: south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff.
0: Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn.
2: Welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Jim, good morning.
1: Good morning, sir. It is a great Friday. It's a three-day weekend and uh, a lot of things going on, and I'm excited. I mean, i got family. you got things going on this weekend, and we're all working. Uh, but we've got a great show. We have got a program today that... Um, you know, I mean, every time we have him on the air, it's worth uh, it just because I get to tune in and listen to a guy that is so knowledgeable, so involved, and at, at the same time, he's in the trenches. Uh, all the time, but yet he explains things in such a way. And a lot of people hear him on CNBC. We're fortunate to have him a guest, Very a regular guest. And, of course, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who it is, and then when we get started, I'm looking to we've got some great questions for him.
2: Sure. We've got Bob Dahl coming up. Of course, Bob is the Chief Equity Strategist, Senior Portfolio Manager at uh, Nuveen Capital Management. Bob's a great resource, as you said, frequent guest on CNBC. Uh, a lot of people know him for his top ten predictions that he does every year, and I think he's done for the last ten years or so. Uh, a really good uh and
1: we're going to challenge him on his top 10 absolutely least, we're, we're, ha- we're about least, halfway through the year yeah, let's see what we are we're not challenge. that's right but we're going to get a report card to a see report how, card exactly i think right. that's exciting because one thing is it, it he has got some accuracy numbers over the 10 15 years that he's been doing this uh that are spooky
2: really good really I mean, good he
1: does his research he has a great research team and uh, does a great job for Nuveen, and we're just fortunate to have him. But one of the things that just as a statistical number for you. You are ready for this? And this just kind of puts things in perspective for us. A lot okay. of people wonder, how big of a swing does it take to be a correction? And, of course, you know, you've, you've told everybody right. that it's a 10%, 10% number is a technical correction. that We get to that point. We've had a 5% correction this year already in the market. But uh, it's not to get too alarmed, but we were reading some statistics the other day. Go back from 1970 to to 2007.
2: 1970 Uh, to
1: 2007. That's, you know, uh, just from the time I graduated from college... 38 years ago. Whoa, I didn't need to say
2: that. Oh, boy. <laughs> boy,
1: I just did. Well, yeah, let's I? all start you doing know? the math. Let's oh, do the math. <laughs> 38 years ago, well, that's from 1970 to 2007, the SP either gained or lost at least 3% in a single trading day 98 times. 98 times. Now, that's not a ton. It's not a ton. You know, when you think about that, I mean, that's pretty much of a market that, but you think about a 3% correction. Uh, in the S&P today, more the Dow today.
2: In the Dow, 3% today is 496 points. Would so be, a 500-point swing I mean, now. that would be
1: an enormous number. An for enormous number. would get – that's happened oh, yes. 98 times over this period from 1970 to 2007. And it's, you know, just 1% of the trading days, just a little bit over, just a little bit over 1% of the trading days. And then if you go back from 2008 to 2011 – And you think about the same thing, gained or lost 3% in a single trading day, Eighty-five times. Wow! Now that tells you an enormous amount of volatility. That's eight percent.
2: Eight percent of the trading days. Way above the long-term average, Absolutely. and we talked about that. A lot of volatility after two thousand uh, and eight. Absolutely. And volatility is not always bad. In two thousand and nine, we saw a lot of up days when we were getting a lot. Right.
1: And but but the reality is that creates that emotion that we talk about. It really a lot, does. That, that's uncontrollable. And I can't wait to ask Bob when we get him on the phone here after the break. But the reality is, how do you manage emotion? Because I know he has to deal with that. Like everybody else. But from January the 1st of 2012 to, if you go back just a week ago, okay, there's been, you know, that's a gain or loss 3% in a single trading day, same number, and stretch of 596 trading days. Okay. There has not been a gain or loss of 3%.
2: Yikes. Does that tell you it's going to happen? It's inevitable.
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. So if we know that and we anticipate that, are we supposed to jump ship? or just understand this is going to happen. It is a part of the natural part of the market. It's part of investing. I'm, I'm excited kind of to uh, check with Bob what he thinks about that. Those are some numbers that I think helps us get emotionally and understanding. With, you know. And
2: I think you made such a key point, though. As long as you know that on the front end, that you know that this will inevitably happen and doesn't necessarily signal anything wrong with the markets. This yeah, is exactly. just one of those things that we go exactly. through. Exactly. All
1: right. Well, let's uh, – take a break. we got to get news, weather, and traffic and all that stuff in there, so you do your thing, man.
2: If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, The Voice of Memphis. Of course, you can always listen to us in one of three ways, either on the radio at AM 990, uh, go onto the internet, search for our homepage, kwam 990.com. Just click on Watch and Listen Live up in the top left-hand corner. Watch us on the internet, or go to the App Store. Search for our free mobile app, kwam 990, download that, and listen to us on your mobile device. We're going to go to traffic weather, check out what's going on in New York with Market Watch, but stick around. We're going to be right back with Bob Dahl, the Chief Equity Strategist and Senior Portfolio Manager at Nuveen Asset Management. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Our guest today is Bob Dahl. Bob is the Chief Equity Strategist and Senior Portfolio Manager at Naveen Asset Management. We're fortunate to have him. Good morning, Bob, and welcome.
1: Thank you, Keith. You know, Bob, one of the questions that I always like to lead in with you is, you know, right now we see this confidence that we're beginning to feel, and yet there's this this anticipation that we're going to have to have some kind of a correction. In order for us to move to the next level, that was a question that I actually recently received on our talk money. When we, anybody wants to always ask us a question, all you have to do is go to talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com and we'll get your questions on. And somebody said, since they knew Bob was going to be on the program, their question was, if we know there's a correction, can we anticipate when it's going to happen? Is it, you know, what's, what's the, what are you seeing? And uh, can you say, okay, we think it's going to happen in 42 days?
0: Yes. uh, No, I think it's only 41 41 and a half days.
2: Hey, if we're going to be precise. I won't, Bob, stick it out there, you know.
0: (laughs) So, so, um, you know, our our kidding about this points out how how foolish it is uh, to try. 10% moves uh, in the U.S. stock market, I've concluded after 35 years of doing this, are purely random walks, upward and downward. No one can call them. Um, if you're, in the, mood, if you're in, the, in the market or waiting to go into the market for a 10% move, you don't have to say to you, good luck, because it's a random walk. Mm. Um, look, do, do we need a correction before we can go higher? No. Might we get a correction before we hire? Of course. It can happen at any time. My view is what we need before we can move higher is evidence that the U.S. economy and U.S. earnings are going to be a bit better. And I think that's right around the corner, but the markets from Missouri show me before it goes there.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Well, I appreciate your thoughts from that way. Keith and I have been working, thinking through some of the questions that we have. And when we look at your top ten predictions, and, and you've really done quite well, you know, one of them that I really appreciate is the dividend stocks, buybacks, and all of the idea behind this double-digit rate. What's your thoughts? corporate earnings have looked pretty good, so where do you see it?
0: Yeah, so so that, that prediction is, that is basically to say corporate America for the last few years has been fearful, and they've husbanded their cash. Yes, they've used it to buy back stocks and raise dividends, and they're going to continue to do that. But we think they're becoming more confident, and we've seen that through the mass increase in mergers and acquisition activity. What is remaining, Jim, is – pick-up in capital expenditures, reinvestment in their own business. So their first step of more confidence is buying other companies. The next step will be investing rest in their own business.
1: Well, if you think about that, and this it's the momentum side of that, I mean, they have to do something. They can't set back, hoard cash, just keep it like that. So you feel that there is this moment. Is that going to affect the overall market, though? I mean, is that the second phase of this bull market, where you see cash beginning to be utilized for m and I mean, the whole concept of that, I mean, it's, it's got to happen.
0: Uh, well, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, it's got to, and it, in some sense, of course, it already is. Mergers and acquisition activity year-to-date is up 50% from last year. It's booming. Uh, as You know, somebody said to me recently, well, why didn't they buy that company last year when the stock was cheaper? And the answer is because last year they were fearful. Yeah. They're a bit more confident this year, and therefore they're stepping up to the plate. And I think that's that's the key to – look, we, we had as, – as, as you guys know, last year, the big 30% gain was mostly a, a P.E. ratio improvement, valuation upgrade. We're probably un, – unlike, we're unlikely to get that again. We need an improvement in, in E, in earnings to get there, and investment growth, top-line growth is what that's all about. And that takes us back to the economy, which needs to get a, a bit better – I think there are all kinds of signs uh, pointing to that after a pretty dismal weather-induced bad first quarter.
2: Now, Bob, one of the things that we always talk about is, you know, how important the consumer is to the economy, certainly to earnings, to companies that need to invest in CapEx, you know, when they have rising demand for products. Uh, Explain to our listeners kind of where we are on consumer demand.
0: Yeah, so consumers um, are are a consistent part of our economy, as you point out, kind of two-thirds of the economy. And sometimes they're the driver. In fact, for much of uh, the decade prior to the crisis, they were the driver as they spent their income and took on debt and and leveraged up, which got us into some of the problems. We think the consumer's back on their own two feet, that they're going to be part of the economy, I don't think they're going to lead the way. I'm expecting uh, kind of 2% of the 3% uh, for the U.S. economy to come from the consumer. The other one point's got to come from capital investment and a little bit better trade and less headwind from the government. So the consumer, uh, solid, steady. Look, look to, to extend it a second, consumers have a lot less debt than they did. Yep. They've restructured it. Their home prices have moved up after a couple of years of moving down. And there are millions more working. Um, In in fact, the employment report we're going to get here in early June, barring a disaster, will record that there are more Americans working than ever before in history. I hear all kinds of nasty stuff about the job market. And look, are there problems, of course. But the facts are... There are more Americans working than ever before in history. I think it's pretty good news.
1: That is good news. Let me ask you this. When we we talk about that, I mean, there's this other side where you've got the government, and we've got a balancing, you know, I was reading recently that if we're looking through this idea of balancing the budget, I mean, the Federal Reserve, if they were to stop this print and purchase thing, I mean... (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what it is, and it's quantitative easing. That if we did that, it would take about five and a half years, five well, five and a half, I guess it would be more it's like five to eight years to reduce the balance sheet. I mean, if they just let things mature its way through. Let me, Bob, do you feel Janet Yellen has got a handle on what she's doing as far as this? I mean, she's kind of thinking, uh, I guess I'm, my question to you is, what do you anticipate from her?
0: So I think Janet Yellen has as as much of a a handle on what she has in front of her as anybody could sit in that chair. I qualify because no one's ever sat in a chair that's looked at a Fed balance sheet the size of this one. (laughs) And I think that, as you intimated in your question, the most likely path of of the Fed, uh, quote, getting rid of those bonds is letting them mature. And that will take process over time. And I think it'll be kind of quiet and kind of benign. And we'll kind of forget that that was uh, all the stuff we were worrying about. I hope that's not Pollyannish. Again, we haven't been here, so we really don't know. But that's my best guess, Jeff.
1: Well, I think, I mean, again, if I were, if you were looking at it from just if we were managing a household budget and you had this debt, you'd just let it mature. You'd try to, you know, and you might think of paying it off early, but sometimes you can't. So I guess that's what I'm thinking from. Janet Yellen is, is you're right, the first person to sit in a chair and this chair of this type Uh, You talked about the U.S. equities last year. You said great year coming off of 2013. You anticipate, even in spite of a 10% correction, that we would have a good year. You still believe
0: that? Yeah. So so basically that prediction is to say I'm neutral in the stock market. When you're neutral in the stock market, you expect it to do what it normally does. 10% plus or minus with normal bumpiness. Most 12-month periods have a 10% pullback. We haven't had one for a long time, so people say, 10% pullback, that sounds scary. No, that's normal. (laughs) And so my point is, expect to have a decent return out of stocks, but you better have your seatbelt on because it's a bumpy ride like usual. Well, unlike me, the last couple of years.
1: Unlike the last couple of years. I, you know, it's amazing how we go through 08, and everybody, this fear begins to grow, and we don't do anything. Just last week or a couple of weeks ago, Keith was talking about how many people, even the market being up in 09... Thought There was over 67% felt that the market was down for the year. So we get caught up in that, and what you're saying, the normality is a 10% correction. It's going to happen. Here's a question for you, though, Bob, and I, I, I guess we'll, we'll go to this question, and then we go to break because I, I want you to think about it. I, it can, a, can a manager, an asset manager, and you're, I guess I'm talking to you specifically – not not trying to put you on the spot, but recent years that you had talked about that you we had been kind of disappointed that active managers were not outperforming the benchmarks. I hear that a ton. Why don't I just invest in the benchmarks? I want you to go and think about this with me that the reality is that if we go through this, can you can we see the market be the market managers, the guys like yourselves, outperform the benchmarks in the next three years? Is that something we should be anticipating, or what creates the problem when it's difficult for you guys?
0: Great question. Do you not... want me to tackle now or after the break?
1: No, let's, let's go ahead and take it. We'll, we'll tell you what. Take it, and then I'll have to stop you, and we'll take the break. I'd rather you take sure, it man. now.
0: So first of all, these the, the, these cycles um, go and pendulums move from one end to the other. It's not that active managers always outperform or always underperform. There are reasons why it swings one way or another. We've had a multiple-year period where active managers have underperformed, and I'll tell you the reasons in a bit. And now we're at the beginning of a period where active managers are doing better. Understanding why is the key to understanding should I own a business index fund or should I own an active manager? All right. And those reasons are we went through a crisis and when crises come correlations move up. The, the, the fact that assets within asset classes and across the asset class, classes move together means correlations move toward one. That's not a period you want an active manager like me. I spend my life trying to figure out is company A going to outperform company B? In a crisis that doesn't matter. When correlations fall, i.e., when macro issues become less dominant, which is the case today, all of a sudden, good performance versus bad performance is all about did company A outperform company B. This is the environment we've now come to, which is why active managers are beginning to do better.
1: All right. Now, with that in mind, I want you to come back after the break, because I think I understand correlation. I don't know if everybody gets it when we talk about correlation. And if I've got Bob Dahl on the phone, I might as well get the guy. Oh, I think so. To explain <laughs> correlation. But, I mean, that's so important because that is kind of where he's talking about uh, the whole concept behind it. It's really about correlation. So when we come back, I really do want Bob to get into that with us and uh, tie it down for me.
2: If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, we're speaking with Bob Dahl, the chief equity strategist at Nuveen Asset Management. Uh, We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about correlations in the market, what Bob's predictions are looking forward into the rest second half of the year. But right now, let's take a break. Go to Charles Osgood for the Osgood File. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn, here with Jim Shoemaker. We're speaking with Bob Dahl, Chief Equity Strategist and Senior Portfolio Manager at Naveen Asset Management.
1: And a very dear friend, and a great guy. He got honeydews this weekend. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't guess
2: you ever get too big even for that, right? Bob has <laughs> to
1: right? do the stuff, you know. <laughs> that's always good. Uh, we were comparing honeydews. We both got the same list, you know, but that's the way it works. Bob, when you talk about correlation, before we went to break, you were talking about how it's important. We had asked you the question. I mean, one of the things is that that reality is managers. I have a deep, deep-seated belief that I can have a manager always outperform the market than just an index. I mean, a manager is making decisions. A manager is selected. Now, I know a man. You know, managers get emotional like everybody else but they are disciplined they're analytical and they're not just out here on the whims and and you know you know listening to the news to make decisions so cover correlation you talked about that before the break how you do that why it's important for that as far as understanding that the the manager is critical and and how that's important for us to know that but then i really would like for you to dive in a little bit and how do you go about selecting a company
0: Sure. The, 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 fir- the first thing I would say in reaction to your first comment is not all managers outperform, as you well know, and part of uh, our collective jobs are to find the managers who do more often than not, uh, and that involves uh, having, having a discipline. But before we go there, uh, correlations. So correlations simply measure how asset prices relate to one another. In other words, if if two assets go up the same amount and down the same amount every day, their correlation is one. If one goes up and the other goes down, and the next day it's vice versa, and that happens all the time, the correlation is minus one. Mm. And of course, if it's zero, it means it's random, and there is no relationship. Most of the time, stocks within the U.S. stock market have a a, a 0.3 to a 0.4 correlation, meaning they move generally in the same direction, but not completely. When we get into crisis mode, as we did in, in 08 and 09, stocks almost all move together. And correlations actually got up, depending which index you're looking at, to 0.8 and 0.9. In that environment, it doesn't matter which stocks you're in, because they're all going to basically do the same. It's a little oversimplification, but not much. Not much, right. That's not normal. What's normal is an environment where company A does better than company B and company C does better than company D. And so you want to find company A and C and avoid company B and D. That's the environment we're now in as correlations have fallen because the macro crisis environment has calmed down. And this is the environment where active managers begin to outperform. There are two reasons why. One, Precisely because active managers did such a poor job in and around and post the crisis, a lot of people left and went to index funds and ETFs, and as a result, markets are less efficient. Hmm. I know as a poor – I've been managing large-cap U.S. money, as you know, for 35 years. I am finding more nickels on the floor to pick up and put in my clients' pockets. It's a wonderful environment. I don't know how long it's last, but I'm going to take it while, while, while it exists. And the other is the correlation issue. They're, they continue to fall, which gives me a better chance of finding the company's A's and avoiding the company B's.
1: When you talk about finding the A's and, and avoiding the B's, I think people—I mean—to have a chance to listen to what you go through, and I'm not talking about the, the weeds. I'm talking—give me the thirty-thousand-foot view of how the characteristics, I guess, that you look for when you evaluate a company.
0: Sure. For for starters, I'm creating a portfolio. And I know I've been doing this and I've been managing other investment portfolio managers for years. Good ones get 53 to 55% right, implying 45 to 47% wrong. This is a, a ball game, if you will, of increment, just getting a few more right and a few less wrong. My process is real simple. I care about a quantitative model and fundamental research. That is to say, I want companies to have the characteristics that lead to more often than not outperformance, rising earnings estimates, other ways to measure improving company fundamentals, cheap valuations versus their history. That qualifies the company. Then the deep fundamental research is sitting down with the management, the the competitors, the users, the suppliers and analysts do that doesn't guarantee we're going to get the stock right, but it does mean we're going to increase our probabilities, and that's all what this business is about. That's what I spend my time doing and, thankfully, have a track record that's been above the benchmark more often than it has been below the benchmark.
1: That's so important. And you said it. Some do that on a regular basis. Some don't. You've done it on a regular basis, and that's why, of course, uh, you are, you know, Bob Dahls. but so uh, yeah, important
2: yeah. for our listeners to understand that I think the majority don't, and you know, it's it's Bob is kind of the exception, well, not the rule.
1: but I think the key is that there are those people that we look for when we're looking for managers that do consistently right. do Absolutely. that, and I, and that's that's extremely valuable for us from that standpoint. Bob, municipal bonds, any thoughts? Uh, just generally, yeah. I mean, you know, the.
0: One of our 10 predictions, as you know, was that they would outperform taxable counterparts this year. Thankfully, so far they are, and I think there's more to come. Uh, Due to places like Puerto Rico and Detroit, uh, municipality um, uh, spreads, if you will, or the yield on or current return on a municipal bond is a fair amount above normal compared to their taxable counterparts. So from a valuation standpoint, they're interesting. Then there are a bunch of fundamentals. Did you know that more than 80 percent of the municipalities in this country are actually running surpluses, right. which means they don't need new paper, which means the supply of new municipal issues has shrunk, which is great in a market that's fairly illiquid. It's part of the reason municipalities, where tax conditions permit, are outperforming.
1: And and you see that going forward? You don't see that uh, having a hiccup or any problems with that? I mean, Not getting stronger? Reason.
0: The hiccup to municipal bonds most likely comes if interest rates go up, and of course that affects all bonds. Right. We just think it will f- affect muni's less uh, less significantly than taxable counterparts. And then when those better with those better fundamentals, we think we get a better return.
1: Well, again, that's that's extremely important. I guess the question I have two more for you, and uh, the big one is um, more on what you think is happening in Europe, uh, Russia. Uh, this is getting to be. It's making headlines every day. I mean, Putin's doing his thing. So is that going Is that going to have an impact, uh, effect, and what type of effect?
0: I think it already has, Jim. Uh, part of the reason the 10-year Treasury is uh, at 2.5% rather than closer to 3 is this, uh, I'm a little worried about Europe, I'm a little worried about Vladimir Putin, therefore I'm going to buy a safe asset right. the Treasuries. And so the price has gone up and the yield has come down. Um, It's pretty clear that uh, he's he's a smart man. He's got problems at home. He's trying to divert attention. He also knows that Europe needs his natural gas, and therefore the West is a little slow to to punish him with um, uh, sanctions because uh, we'd be cutting off our nose to spite our face, and and, and the beat goes on. Um, I I think that uh, he also watched America, as we are told um, by our sources in Washington, uh, draw a line uh, regarding Syria. And then when the line gets crossed, we do nothing, and Vladimir Putin said, they're weak. It's time mm-hmm. for me to do something, and, and therefore he took his action. So this isn't going to die. I think the impact on the markets, especially here in the U.S., um, uh, have been felt. I don't think there's a whole lot more bad news um, that's going hit, to hit us. I think this is something that just will simmer along.
1: All right. Talk about the line that's been drawn in Syria. It was there, and if I get my partner started, we're in trouble. You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when when you're, as you and I know, if if you and I have an issue, Jim, and you say, Bob, don't cross this line, otherwise there are consequences. If I cross that line, I expect you to deliver on the consequences. If you don't, I think you're weak. That's exactly what's happened in the U.S., and um, we just have to be really careful what we say, when we say it, uh, to be consistent to our, our, our um, uh, to our friends and, and, and careful with the, those we disagree with.
1: Yeah, the problem is we begin to say, okay, it doesn't mean anything what we say. So with that in mind, if we have this weakness, and it apparently seems that we do, Republicans, uh, you had predicted that Republicans would increase their lead in the House and fall short of capturing the Senate. Do you still believe that? I mean, is there a chance maybe they can capture the Senate?
0: Yes, there is. Remember, I make these predictions in December. I would have said then 20 to 25 percent chance the Republicans take the Senate. Asking me uh, today at the end of May after the recent Republican primaries, including this week, that probability is higher. It may be as much as uh, 50 percent. A lot will depend on the president's approval rating. If the economy gets better, and Americans give him some credit and his approval rating moves to the high 40s, well, the Democrats may retain the Senate. If his approval stays uh, where it is, then I think the Republicans will win the Senate. They need six seats. Uh, There are a number more than that contested, and they've nominated folks that have a good chance in the general election as opposed to nominating folks that, that, that would be beaten by the Democrats.
2: Well, Jim, I thought I was going to have a chance to disagree with Bob, but, I, you know, I, I, I completely agree, although I would put the percentage a little bit higher on the Republicans taking the Senate. And I think a lot of it's going to turn around the Affordable Care Act and sticker shock as we start seeing the premiums go up for 2015. Boy, and, you know, right. there's a lot of moving parts. And plus, it's incredibly hard for any incumbent party to win three elections sure. in a row. So, sure. uh, you know, as we look towards True. the presidential election. Yeah. Bob very,
1: as very always, good. sir, you are you are such a, a kind guy to do a great program with us. You bring great information. What would you close out? We've got about thirty seconds. Give me your last statements about the economy. What do you think the summer's going to be? And should
2: investors be scared now to invest?
0: Exactly. I think not. Look, as you both know, I'm a big dollar cost averager, recognizing no one can call short-term moves. So if I have money earmarked for the stock market, I'm buying some today. A month from now, I'm buying some more. I'm just slowly putting the money in. I think the U.S. economy, next time we uh, do do this show together, should you ask me back, um, we'll be doing a bunch better than it's been doing Uh, Low inflation, profits are rising, consumers have deleveraged, trades improving, uh, home prices generally moving up. We didn't even talk about it in this show, energy and manufacturing, two big-time positives for the U.S. I I think the economy is doing a bit better. We have our issues, but fewer than we did.
1: Well, you've always got to use that term, muddle through. I didn't hear it this time. Uh, yeah,
0: how about muddle through plus? Would that feel good?
2: <laughs> That's an upgrade, so we'll take <laughs> it.
1: Muddle through plus. Uh, pleasure, sir. Have a wonderful Memorial Day, and uh, take care of the honeydews.
2: You, you all you all, the same. Bye. Thank you,
1: Thanks. sir. Bye-bye.
2: What a great guest.
1: You know, he is, and just a kind guy, very dynamic, very smart. Very uh,
2: smart and does such a great job explaining things. I can explain cross-correlation, but not without but, using my hands. But, uh, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> just a great guy, and a dear friend, and just one of those guys that I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy listening to because he takes a very complex subject – and talks about it in a very unique way. Well, we could have him here in Memphis someday.
2: And I, I would love to do that. And I think it shows you, you know, as an asset manager, what he looks at. I mean, he looks at everything. He has, you know, uh, really good information, a really good feel for what's going on, both globally, domestically, politically, fiscal policy, monetary policy. Then looking at these companies from a bottom-up standpoint, right. uh, he's a very impressive guy and a great resource.
1: But I am very, very fortunate. When we come back from the break, I have a very impressive guy in this studio. And Where I'm is gonna, he? I'm
2: <laughs> questions get him in here i'm <laughs> looking forward
1: to it <laughs> so when we come back now by the way for everybody listening if you'd like to just simply ask a question go to talk money at shoemaker talk money at shoemaker send us the question we answered a couple of questions today bob actually answered a couple of questions today about the 10 percent correction and emotions and uh, ask keith a question and boy he's just great with answers so We'll be back right after this.
2: I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan. It's about the results. Now let's go to Rebecca Brazier for a Mid-South History Moment. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990, the Voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker.
1: You know, and uh, with Bob talking about the, the economy, I mean, he, his 10 prediction is, again, he has a better than 92% accuracy rate, uh, which says, okay, I do a lot of research. He does gets into the weeds with it. Uh, he doesn't take it uh, lightly. And uh, when you look where he is right now. A he's tracking of, on a lot of these. Track, uh, uh, yeah, you know, he knows what he's doing. and uh we're very fortunate to have him, as I said earlier, as a guest. But I do have somebody in the studio that is knowledgeable and smart as a whip. And so um, smart as a whip, where did that come
2: from? Uh, smart as a whip. I do not that, know on that we, one. Yeah, got to look that yeah. <laughs> up.
1: So you are smart as a whip.
2: Right. Oh, I appreciate that.
1: Uh, here's the thought for you. When he talked about a little bit about active management, you right. and I talk about we that do. a lot. So give me your take on what he said and then... What do we say to that class? Because that has been one of our biggest questions here. recently, And
2: it's a question we get a lot. And, sure. you know, if there weren't any benefits to active management, then we would potentially go with a more passive strategy just because of the cost or sometimes sure. cheaper. Sometimes. Uh, but active management, and I think Bob said it exactly right. Uh, You know, correlations, and when you look at a crisis, it's almost like the tide going out. When the tide goes out, all the boats go down together, and that's what happens in a crisis. You know, all the stocks fall together. Uh, Now, as the correlations are widening, it's more important to look at these individual stocks. But I'll give you an example of what an active manager can add to a portfolio. Everything that's going on with Russia and the Ukraine, again, you know, we saw more violence last night, I think, between – 13, and I've seen reports as high as 16 uh, Ukrainian soldiers were killed by pro-Russian separatists at a roadblock. Uh, Just a lot of uncertainty. Of course, there's an election in Ukraine on Sunday, a presidential election, so no one really knows how Russia's going to react to that. Uh, A lot of talk about a civil war coming from Putin. So this has created a very uncertain environment for Russia and Ukraine. One of the managers that manages a global bond fund, And now think about this. This is an active manager, but this is a global bond fund is buying Ukrainian debt as fast as he possibly can and owns about 30% of all Ukrainian debt now. And here's his reasoning. He's getting it at 40 to 50 cents on the dollar. And two-year paper is yielding over eight percent.
1: And again, he may be making the wrong mistake. I mean, it may be a terrible mistake. It may be a
2: mistake, but it's a but you know, it's
1: an active manager who's saying this may be a great opportunity.
2: And, and again, he's done the analysis and said it doesn't matter if the Ukraine goes to Russia, stays, it goes to the EU. It's still it's, going to be. It's people, going to meet its obligation. Consumer goods, right.
1: the whole bit's going to meet its obligations. That is what an active manager does. And of course, everybody knows past performance is never an indication of future performance. And that uh, you know, as Bob said, fifty-four. 56 percent accuracy. Right, uh, sets you apart, and
2: uh, and I'm by no means recommending that you buy a Ukrainian bonds. No, I know you're not. <laughs> I know you're not.
1: But the but that's a great example of a man of a manager saying, right. "Okay, I'm going to make a decision based on what I think is good." He's obviously not trying to do stupid, but we see this all the time. We do. Where managers make decisions on different things based on their thoughts. Now, here's a perfect example of where I would fire a manager who's been an active Large cap growth manager, buying large cap growth stocks, doing it regularly, got a great track record. And all of a sudden, we dig into the weeds with them and we find out they're buying cash. I mean, they're sitting holding cash, not right. buying cash, but holding, holding cash. cash. And all of a sudden, they've got 30, 40, 45, 50% of their portfolio in cash. And I'm saying, wait a second, we're buying you, we're using you, you're our person to invest in large cap growth, large cap stocks, not cash.
2: That's right. And And so you have have to fire that manager.
1: So I, you know, our job is we work with people every day uh, is to hire and fire managers. And uh, you think of a Bob doll, you think of a, a Chris Seaball, all these guys that we have that are active managers that we spend a lot of time with listening to them. Uh, And you know, the, the good thing about it is you get to know them personally. And you know they're human. I mean, Bob right. and I have talked at length sometimes over, the, the, you know, back in 08 and all the issues are going on. But I, I tell you what I can say about Bob, and I can say this about Chris Sebald, some of the other guys. I never catch them or never see them. And, of course, I know they're giving me – Bob maybe not, but some of these guys sometimes are trying to give me the best scenario oh, that sure. they possibly can. But I also know, know them well enough that they're they're sincere trying to do a good job – For their end client, they are very sincere about making money, obviously, for the people that are investing in there. They're not playing a game at it. They're not uh, they're not doing this and not thinking about what the end results. And that's I mean, uh, Rusty Leonard, oh, phenomenally passionate for his clients and what he's doing. That to me is a a tremendous value. And to know that they're not just out um, playing this game.
2: That is, to me, that is that is just so important. I mean, this is a sacred trust for these guys, Absolutely. and it really does say a lot about them, and it's incredibly important.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Uh, okay. Mortgages. We have got a little bit of an issue going on with mortgages right now. 31% of the existing homes sold nationwide in calendar year last year, 2013, were purchased for all cash. I was surprised by that. I, I was, too, and that's... Um, that's kind of a sh- shocks me a little bit when you we're, have mortgages as low as they are yeah now i know that some of that was that uh, investment dollar sure that we're buying a lot of homes uh, from sure, an sure. investment standpoint but here's a thought for you from a standpoint of looking at the american public that are now aging Okay, that uh, I don't know anything about them, I'm not associated with them in any form or fashion, but they're that group of baby boomers, <laughs> over
2: 9,000 a day, turning 65, yeah, 10,000 a day retiring. Right.
1: yes yeah, so. right, I got you. At least 70 <laughs> those that are at age 75, okay, that's a way long time for me. Uh, with mortgage debt has, been, has more than doubled in the last 10 years. That's uh, that's a little concerning. It is concerning. Now, what it is saying to me is they're spending that time, it's it's, it's rising from one out of every 12 seniors, that's 8.4%, to one out of every five, 21.2%. 30% of the homeowners are at least 65, age 65, have an outstanding mortgage, up from 22% a decade ago. That says, to me, two things, buying bigger homes, and at the same time, that group of people are saying, I am not going to pay the house off because of very low interest
2: rate. Very, very low interest rate. I think, I think that's if, exactly right. I think
1: if the interest rates were 6 or 7 or 8%, it'd be paid totally off. Totally different. Totally different. But when you've got a 3%, three and a half, four percent 4%, 4.5%, they are just holding on to it and saying, I can make the payments.
2: And I think, as you've said before, when you've uh, talked about clients that you've counseled, you know it's an individual situation. Everyone's just not going to be the same.
1: Everybody has to think about it individually. And I think when we sit down with clients and spend time with them, uh, buying a home, whether it be your final home you're buying or some people talk about downsizing, and you just have to look at that. And it is going through a process to make a decision. So when we come back, I've got a couple of other thoughts for you because a lot of clients are uh, dealing with this retirement mentality. And I do have a question that we got from a client. We'll talk about it.
2: And you can always send us a question. Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com uh, and also like us on Facebook. Uh, we would certainly uh, like for you to see what's going on around the firm. Always something interesting happening. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn. I'm here with Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9. But now let's check out what's going on with traffic and weather and see how the market's opened in New York with CBS Market Watch. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker.
1: And we're talking a bunch about uh, just some, you know, the whole idea of finances. We had Bob Dahl earlier, but, but uh, I, you know, I have never been. I, I wanted to go. I've been up there just before it happened, but uh, I've never been during the time that uh, Mr. Warren Buffett has his annual conference oh, right. in <laughs> Omaha. Uh, the I, Oracle. You know, I, I, was, I was actually up there two years ago, and it was I was – should have stayed, but I had a little bit of a, a thing. I needed to come home, and I didn't stay, and I wish I had. But um, that's a, and if you think about it, it's in 1981 when he started this. Uh, he had 12 people, and last year, this year, this no, last year, he had 40,000 people.
2: That is that and is really it's estimated to be
1: a 40,000 plus this year. Uh, I, you know, I mean, you know, we ought to get him on the program.
2: I, th- I think we should. I'd like to have Warren on. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Buffett. Mr. Buffett. <laughs> hey, excuse me. Yeah, Mr. Buffett.
1: <laughs> you know, what else is happening as far as um, overseas? I mean, we talked a little bit about Mr. Putin and a lot of things going on there. But Europe seems to, you know, be teetering a little bit. So
2: Europe and Asia. And, you know, this is something that really hasn't gotten a whole lot of press when with everything going on in Ukraine. But there was a coup in Thailand yeah. uh, yesterday, you know, where the military took over again.
1: And as, again, <laughs> I
2: like that. Again. That's the 12th biggest. coup in the last eight, uh, eight decades. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what are we doing?
1: Well, let's have another coup, you know. You know, that's, that is a problem that a lot of people, you talk about emerging markets, you talk about right. manager, active manager. That is an issue that those the active managers, when they're looking at, at buying into this emerging market, That's that. uh, That's that fear that uh, sometimes they have to look at. I don't want to call it a fear, but they have to deal with the reality. That, I mean, we've seen some of that in some South American companies. Country. We
2: absolutely have. And that's another kind of risk that we have to evaluate when we look to emerging market stocks. Mm-hmm. We don't have that kind of risk in the United States, you know, political risk. But we definitely have that in the emerging markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And this hopefully won't get worse but could potentially get worse because uh, this time a lot of the opposition party is better armed. Uh, so there's the thought that this might turn uh, pretty violent. We certainly hope that's not the case.
1: Exactly. And I think one of the things that a lot of people – Uh, As we go through the process of making selections is making sure that you're looking at a manager, and that's what we do. Why don't you, for, for, my, for our benefit, I think you go through a, a lot of people. One of the questions that we had is retirement planning and how do I go through that process of making sure that I'm doing a good job at retirement. And we talk about that they, you know, we said this a couple of weeks ago, and I think that's what prompted this person to question this, is you have to look at what you're trying to do. What is it that you anticipate over the next 10, 15, 20 years? You can't retire in a day, in a moment. You have to start and plan your retirement, and you do. then have a strategic idea of plan what that's looking like. I have a, a client that we're working with uh, on a regular basis right now that is going through a lot of emotional strong, you know, struggles because of retirement. He had not planned. That thought process and, he, you know, mortality, he's going to work forever. That didn't happen. Right. So you have to put that process through. So what we're saying to this person, don't wait till the moment to retire. Start out five or ten years. It's a little late for this guy that asked the question. But when you do pull the trigger and say, okay, I'm retiring at X, know what's going to happen. Have a plan for what you're going to do over the next five to 10 years.
2: I think that's great advice. The earlier you can start, the better it is. Uh, you know, obviously, if you start in your 20s, even if you're putting aside $50, $100 a month, it will have a tremendous impact on your retirement uh, as you get closer to that retirement age. And it's a different proposition as you get closer to retirement. You're in your 50s and your 60s, and you have to think about that differently.
1: Well, you do. I guess uh, one of the thoughts is that we have to remind everybody we're at Memorial Day. And Memorial Day. this is Memorial uh, more Weekend.
2: It is. You're it's a, a veteran. big
1: holiday, as I'm are a you? veteran. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just great to to realize that we celebrate. You know, when you look at Memorial Day, this was uh, first called uh, Recognition, Recognition Day. Recognition Day. And uh, there's about 10, 11 cities that claim they started Memorial Day. Uh, Lyndon Johnson's the one who signed it into and said, hey, it's going to happen. Uh, but Waterloo, New York Waterloo, gets the New credit. York. They get the credit for starting Memorial Day. It actually goes all the way back to the Civil War. And some some cities in the south, some ladies in the south were, you know, memorializing the the, the veterans of the Civil War and uh, taking flowers to the grave sites that they had. And it started with that momentum, and it began to build after World War One, after World War Two. But it took until Lyndon Johnson uh, signed it into con- into uh, into law, and where it's a national holiday. Uh, which kind of takes me aback. It took a long time.
2: It really does. And we want to thank all of our veterans. Absolutely. You know, and their families. The families go through just as much a lot of time as the guys. And it's, uh, you know, the sacrifices they've made, especially over the last 10 years, have been uh, unbelievable. Well, let's tell our listeners then. Let's
1: make it a plan that this year we're going to stop on Memorial Day and say, hey, thank you. Just say a great prayer. Uh, and remember our, remember our people. That, Do
2: that. Uh, remember our soldiers. Remember our veterans. Hope you've enjoyed our show today. Bob Dahl gave us some great advice on the markets. I want to thank our program director, Art Frederick, our guest coordinator, Francis Fortner, our compliance officer, Jeff Long, and Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments, Rebecca Brasher, who reads them. I'm Keith Quinn. And I'm Jim Shoemaker. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. God bless. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.